You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. The good news of today is that in Christ, you are new. Now, that's the good news, new you. But to appreciate that most, we need to think first and talk about the old you. So kind of bad news before good news. So we're looking at old you. And if you're not a Christian, this is just you. But if you are a Christian, this is new you. And if you just became a Christian when I got started two minutes ago, this is old you three minutes ago. Here's what God says to the Apostle Paul. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, of course, in the Bible, there are Gentile Christians. That is, non-Jews who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. We get that. We know that. But here, Paul is using that term Gentiles to describe a group of people who don't know God don't love God, aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, aren't in a relationship with the Lord. And he says, you can't live that way anymore. You can't be still walking in the path that you used to walk. Same habits, same sins, same beliefs, maybe even the same relationships. You can't walk in that direction anymore because that's a direction away from Jesus, away from obedience, away from holiness. It's a path that leads to death, not life. He goes on. They, that group, are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Think about this. When was the last time you were in the dark where you tried to see something? You know what you see when it's completely dark? Nothing. When it's really dark, you can't see clearly. Paul says, if you're walking away from Jesus, you're living a life not connected to God, then your thinking is futile and your understanding is darkened. You say, well, I see it this way. Yeah, that's what people in the dark say. But they're not seeing clearly. Their understanding is darkened. So in our day, we repackage our understanding and we call it tolerance or diversity or pluralism or add ism onto any word so it sounds legit. And Paul says, no, 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 no. They're darkened in their understanding. You see, Christians and non-Christians should not have the same mindset. How many of us, the people we hang around, their thinking is dark. They don't see God and themselves and and life in general the same way. For them, it's dark, it's it's wrong, it's corrupted. And you thought worshiping God was just about a moral activity. Well, it's also a mental activity. It's not just what you do, it's, it's how you think. Remember, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. He knows, Jesus knows, that the problems with our actions start with problems in our minds. 
You think something's right when it's wrong. You think something is light when it's dark. You think something's okay when it's not. And then what happens is that people come together and we reinforce one another. Well, we all think that it looks this way to us. We're all wanting to do this. Look, we took a vote. It's the majority. It must be true. No. Not if God shows up and says it's dark, it's futile, and your whole view of reality is corrupted. So then what happens over time is we say, well, you know, when I used to do this, it really used to bother me. It doesn't bother me so much anymore. And, and, and now when I do this, I, I don't feel guilty anymore. Maybe God's okay with it because I don't feel guilty. No, it's not that God's okay with it. It's that you developed a hard heart. There's essentially a dead spot in your soul where you say, this just doesn't hurt anymore. It doesn't bother me. I'm not convicted by it. I don't want to change. I think maybe God's okay. He's not. You're just calloused. And you're not going to change there. So you'll say things like, well, that's just the way I am. But you're not supposed to be that way. Or you'll say, well, I have to be true to myself. That's never a good idea. Paul continues, having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Oftentimes, it's not that people don't know the truth, so they don't like the truth. And that's the truth. And so what sounds sort of rebellious, we want to say instead, well, you know, I, I don't believe that. I, I have a different theology. I have a different philosophy. I have a different perspective. I think maybe this stuff is primitive. It's uh, a little intolerant. This Christian stuff seems pretty judgmental and it doesn't belong in a tolerant, diverse, pluralistic society. And Paul went to prison because he believed this stuff and he was preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. And right now you may be thinking, why did I come today? I disagree with this guy. Well, feel free to get, disagree with me, but I want to say to you, don't disagree with God's word. So where's the hope? Where's the encouragement? Well, it's not in you and me. It's only going to be found in Jesus. And remember, all this that we're talking about right now is the old you. Paul says that the old you needs to die, not get self-improved. The new you is you in Christ. Old you apart from Christ, new you in Christ. Now, none of us was born a Christian. None of us was born with an innate knowledge of Jesus Christ. We had to learn that, right? You had to learn that he is the second member of the Trinity who created the heavens and the earth. He took upon himself human flesh, came into history through the womb of Mary as the God-man Jesus Christ. He lived without sin. He said he was God. He died in our place for our sins. Our death went to him. His life came to us. 
Three days later, he rose from death and has ascended into heaven where he is ruling and reigning. He is Lord, God, King. He is coming back to judge the living and the dead and to establish a kingdom that reigns forever. Amen. You won't just wake up tomorrow and think, huh, I just thought up all this stuff. You can't, you can't do that. You won't come to this conclusion on your own. You won't just make this up. Someone has to teach you. So what that means is that Christianity requires enough humility to say, I don't know. And my speculating about something I don't know doesn't help. I need God's revelation. This means that the truth is in Jesus. So anything that does not connect to Jesus is ultimately not the truth. So parenting, marriage, dating, sexuality, finances, suffering, whatever, the truth about everything and anything is in Jesus. The truth is connected to Jesus. It's all about Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here in this last verse, Paul puts together two words that are incredibly important as he talks about clothing ourselves, or in this case, he says, put on those two words, new self. So we're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about self-improvement. Where it's the same old you with some new techniques about how to deal with the problems in your life. We're talking about a completely thoroughly new you, born anew in Jesus Christ. The Bible uses the language of born again, regeneration, new creation, new person, new life, new you. You're made new in Jesus Christ. Now, not totally new, meaning that God's still going to work on you. But your identity is as a new person. This was such a radical thing when this happened in the Bible. A lot of times people got new names. So Abram became Abraham. Sarai became Sarah. Cephas became Peter. Saul becomes Paul. It's like you went to bed and that person died. You woke up and somebody with your same driver's license is there. But from the inside out, they're new. And they're in the process of being made new. Well, now Paul wants to tell us what this new you does. So what we've looked at so far is that you need to get your mind right. You need to know who Jesus is, that you belong to Jesus. And now from that new thinking comes new actions. Here's how he takes us from there. Therefore, each of you, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Now, he doesn't say don't be angry. Was God ever angry? Yeah. Was Jesus ever angry? Yes. But without sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. So it's about being a giver, not a taker. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, 
but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Paul knows that these actions of our old self were done from a a place of hurt, maybe even a place of being vengeful, reactionary, bitter. Paul knows that when we hurt, we leak, meaning we're going to talk about others in a sinful way, and we're going to use the internet and social media to talk about others, and all that does is involve others to take up sides and it complicates things. Remember, all this was written by a guy named Paul who is in prison. He could be very hurt and vengeful and reactionary and bitter against his captors and against his God. He's in prison because he loves Jesus. That's why he's in prison. And he could be sitting in prison saying, I hate the Roman government and I'm disappointed in Jesus. I have suffered being shipwrecked. I've endured homelessness, poverty, beatings. I don't have a wife. I don't have children. I'm alone. I'm in a jail cell. I don't know if I'm going to get released. And I'm disappointed in Jesus. I have devoted my whole life to him now. And look where it's gotten me. And that's not what he says. He never says that. Paul writes 13 books of the New Testament and is a major character in the book of Acts, and you never hear those words from him. And I believe his life is harder, his pain deeper, his grief darker than yours or mine, and his demonic affliction, something he'll talk about by the end of this book, on a scale that we can't even comprehend. So what did he do? What do we do? Well, he tells us, Forgiven people forgive. Here's how he says it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Now, I know immediately upon hearing that, some of you are like, forgive them. Forgive the people who have hurt me that I'm angry with that I can't wait to tear down with my words and actions, forgive them. I cannot, I will not. Truth is, you're right, you cannot. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can. Friends, was Jesus ever sinned against? Yes. Did he ever sin against anyone? No. That makes him the most innocent victim in the history of the world. Did he become bitter? No. How? Because the power of the Holy Spirit enabled him to forgive. And then Jesus sends that Holy Spirit into the life of his followers. We have access to this power. We learned this in chapter 1 of Ephesians, that the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead, that same power is available to you on a daily basis. Look, I get it. It takes a miracle for a bitter victim to forgive. And that miracle's name is the Holy Spirit. 
He is the one who will allow you, enable you, empower you to forgive. And if you resist or quench him, those two words used in scripture about how we fight against the Holy Spirit and, and don't submit to his ministry, then we grieve him. And know this, the Holy Spirit is not an impersonal force. He is a personal God. He loves you and he loves the other. And he loves the joy and peace that forgiveness can bring. And when you fight him, when you resist him, disobey him, ignore him, you grieve him. You see, sin doesn't just break God's law, it breaks God's heart. So what do we do? Again, Paul says, be kind to one another. Well, maybe you didn't want to hear that. Be compassionate to one another. Didn't want to hear that. Forgiving each other. Definitely don't want to hear that one. Why? Why should I forgive them? Why? Because in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiven people forgive. You see, this has more to do with you and Jesus than it does you and the other person. They don't deserve it. They don't deserve any grace and mercy, but neither did you, neither did I, and yet that's what God gives. You see, that's the gospel. All of our sin is ultimately against God. King David in Psalm 51 said, against you, you alone, Lord, have I sinned. So whenever we sin, it may be against someone else, but it's ultimately against God. What does God do in response to our sin? He doesn't become bitter. He doesn't attack. He comes as the Lord Jesus to walk among his enemies, to live without sin, and to be sinned against continually. And then Jesus does this amazing thing. He goes to the cross and he substitutes himself and dies in the place of his enemies. From that cross, the Gospels record seven last words of Jesus, the really statements. One of them is, Father, forgive them. And with that, in his death, we are forgiven. Here's what it boils down to. Because of Jesus Christ, you are not guilty, you are forgiven. Because of Jesus Christ, you are not hated, you are loved. You are not far away, you are brought near. You are not alienated, you are reconciled. Because of Jesus Christ, God is not against you, he is for you. He's not angry with you, he loves you. You don't need to pay God back, Jesus already paid your debt. You don't need to clean yourself up first, you need to remember who Jesus is and the life that he has lived and what he has done for you so that you can step out in your new identity. Think what a difference that would make if every morning we could be reminded of this. And then just as we walk out the door, we're reminded, I'm walking with him and I'm going to work or I'm going to school or wherever it is that I'm going. And this is my Christian walk. I'm walking in my new identity. I'm clothed in the righteousness and love and fellowship of Jesus Christ. And I get to walk in a manner worthy of that relationship that's all Paul's language here. And I desperately 
want that for you practically. I want that for you and for me. Some of you would say, man, I have, I have walked so far away from Jesus. Here's the good news. If you stop and turn around, you'll discover that he's been following you the entire way. He's not distant. He's not. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to invite you to respond. This is how it works. God initiates, we respond. God changes us, we change the way we act. God changes our minds, we change the way we think. God changes our desires, we change what we long for. So I want to give you some time, just some quiet time. To go back to what the Apostle Paul has taught us this morning. Maybe you already knew all of this. You realized some time ago what Jesus has done for you. And you've been allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life for a while. But none of us is perfect. And that means none of us will ever get all of this right. So even now, there may be areas in your life, well, I'm sure there are, Areas in your life that are not completely surrendered to him. So use this quiet time to recommit to loving and serving the Lord over your own interests. And for some of us, this is something we've never done. We've never said, Jesus, I want you as my Lord and Savior. I know I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. Maybe we've even been a part of a church for a really long time and thought that was enough. Use this quiet time to open your heart to him. Remember, he's pursuing you. He's right there. Just turn around and let him embrace you. Wherever you are in your journey, let's talk to him. Let's pray. Lord, we know in our day when from social media to the clothes we wear to the car we drive to the way we present ourselves, we are all about identity formation and identity preservation. So thank you for the great, timeless, helpful, practical, biblical truth that there's simply the old and the new and that in Christ we have become a new person. Lord Jesus, help us remember that and to walk toward that daily. And help us never forget who we are and whose we are. This we pray in the name of the one who taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.